Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Now, just about everyone has wondered from time to time, what happens after life here is over? Is there an afterlife, or do we just cease to exist? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? And if there are, how do we get to heaven? Because that sure sounds a lot better than what has been said about hell. Well, God has given us clear answers to all of these questions. The truth is, all people everywhere, in every time since the beginning, lives live well and lives lived poorly. People we would describe as good and people we would describe as bad all end up here, either at the end of Revelation chapter 20, at the great white throne judgment, or in chapter 21, the lake of fire or heaven. Now, some think that as long as your good deeds outweigh your bad, you will surely be one of the good people who get into heaven. But is that right? What are the criteria for entering heaven? Well, Pastor Harris will mine these verses, 15 through the end of the chapter, and by the end of the week, we'll all be reminded that it comes down to which of two books contains our name. Here is today's part of the message entitled, The Second Death. Revelation chapter 20, where we will look at the last five verses of this chapter today. Just five verses, and perhaps the five most ominous, dark verses of all of God's Word. They describe what the text itself calls the second death or the great white throne judgment. Both of them are legitimate descriptions of this passage. If you ask people how to get to heaven, by far the most common answer you'll get, probably right after, I don't know, is live a good life. And if you press most people who believe that, they will say, that in the end it comes down to facing God who will weigh your good deeds against your sins and see which way the scale tips. That's how most people think of it. After all, we live in a country where majority vote can win an election. Most people believe that if their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, they will be admitted to heaven. And that is... That belief is one of the worst lies of all time. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it's Peter preaching to a group of Jews who had been taught wrongly by their spiritual leaders, the Pharisees, that their works could justify them and that Jesus was a blasphemer. And Peter said to these people who believed that among all the people on the face of the planet, they were the most righteous, he said this, and there is salvation in no one else, referring to Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we 
Now, that's Peter, a Jew, preaching to Jews who thought they had the inside track. There is no other name given by which we must be saved. If there is salvation in no one else, then that includes you. There is no possibility of salvation in you apart from Christ. Nothing you can do can get you one inch closer to God. In Acts chapter 16, this time it is the jailer in Philippi, a Gentile, speaking to Paul and Silas, who he had in his prison, who were miraculously released by a miraculous earthquake, and the jailer thought he was going to have to kill himself because his prisoners would all be running free, and uh, they weren't. They were sitting there calming him down, and he said to them in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He'd heard them talking. He knew that's what they were all about. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. This is how Paul and Silas answered, not a Jew, but a Gentile who was terrified. There was nothing at all about live a good life. Hope that the good outweighs the bad. It was all about one thing and one thing only, faith in Jesus Christ. In stating it in a doctrinal context, in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, it says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Whose righteousness is it that you need in order to be able to stand before a holy and righteous God? It's Christ's. And when you weigh His righteousness in a balance versus His sin, there's nothing on one side. He is perfectly righteous, perfectly holy. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are therefore justified or declared not guilty, declared righteous in God's eyes. And that's the one and only way that you can be reconciled to God from whom you are alienated because of your own sin in light of His holiness. In Ephesians 2, it says it this way. You know these words. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, there's the passage that puts together faith and works. Your works have nothing to do with you getting saved. They have everything to do with being the evidence that you are saved by God's grace through faith plus nothing. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 puts it this way. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Good works? No, it's by His mercy. It is washing and renewing which is performed by His Holy Spirit. In John chapter 10, verse 9, it was Jesus talking to some Jews about who he is 
and what he came to do for all who would believe in him. And he said as clearly as as it could possibly be said that he is the only way of salvation. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That's based upon a metaphor. It was, or it is a metaphor, based upon the custom of many shepherds in the world of that time and that place to sleep across the gateway to the sheepfold so that the sheep couldn't get out at night without the shepherd knowing. Jesus pictures himself as the only one who can allow you entrance into the sheepfold, and he is the one who allows you to come and go to get the nourishment that you need. Now, as we come to Revelation chapter 20, we're going to look at the other side. This passage describes the second death that awaits those who believe the lie that they, by their good works, if they try hard enough, can get to heaven or any other thing they might believe that would get them to heaven other than the grace of God through Jesus Christ. It's only five verses. It won't take very long, but it is powerful. We'll see the throne and the judge in verse 11. We'll see the dead and the books in the beginning of verse 12, then the judgment, and then in verses 14 and 15, the sentence. First, we're introduced to the judge. Now remember, in the structure of the book of Revelation, and it has very specific structure to it, we are now in a series of scenes in the final vision that is associated, or the vision which is associated, I should say, with the final judgment, the seventh of those angels that poured out the seventh bowl of wrath. This is the sixth scene of that final bold judgment, and it introduces you to the judge of all who reject him. Verse 11, John writes, And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. This is the great white throne. It's different from all the other thrones we have seen in the book of Revelation. This is a throne of judgment. Now, right here in the context, there have been other thrones. Verse 4, he said, I saw thrones and they sat upon them. And we deduce that that has to be us sitting and reigning with Christ in his thousand-year kingdom on earth. But this is the great white throne. This is singular. There is one who sits there, and in a minute we'll see why it is the Father and the Son together who are on this throne, a throne of judgment. Him who sat upon it is Almighty God. He's been the one who is on the throne all through the book of Revelation. And the wording of this verse comes from Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10. If you go back and read that, you'll see that several Parts of this are taken from there. There the one on the throne is called the Ancient of Days, who is God the Father. And even though it doesn't say it right here, the rest of the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus sits with the Father at this judgment where he concurs with the judgment and he participates in executing it. Jesus said in John 5, 26 and 27, for just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself, and he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. So at the great white throne, the Father and the Son will declare the righteous judgment of the ages. This great white throne is located somewhere, somewhere in the 
dimension outside of this physical world and outside of human history. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.